Welcome to African Experts with Vicky Remote, the show that brings you African entrepreneurs, practitioners, researchers, and innovators with big ideas, solutions, and insights on issues shaping African lives across the continent. I am your producer, Brandon Bob McEwen. told growing up because very few of us were actually told anything positive about sex like all we're told is don't do it and usually people wouldn't even say what's the it's worth so you need to do a lot of unlearning and you need to actually go on a journey to figure out what you would like because you can be with a partner whether it's a male partner or a woman partner or a partner who is you know gender non-conforming and still not be having pleasurable sex because all of you have various traumas that you're grappling with right and so I think it takes a lot of courage to find out what you find pleasure. You know, I always say to people, like, try and give yourself pleasure. Try and give yourself sexual pleasure. So you figure out what works for you. If you don't know what rocks your boat, how are you going to teach somebody else to give you pleasure? And I think you'll, you need to allow, allow yourself to experiment, try new things, you know, express your desires to your partner or partners. Welcome back. Let's meet our guest, African expert, Nanadakwa Sechiyama. Nanadakwa is an experienced writer and blogger on sex and sexuality. She started blogging about sex and sexuality in 2009 and has produced many content across different genres that include nonfiction, short stories, and essays. For most of her career, she has been writing purposefully and intentionally for an audience of African women. Nanada Kwa is the co-founder of Adventures from the Bedrooms of African Women, a media channel that creates stories, podcasts, festivals, you name it, that tell the experience of African women and sex, including sexuality and today's topic, pleasure. Her goal in writing about sex and sexuality is to create a safe space for African women to talk with one another about their bodies. She wants more African women to have pleasurable sex, don't we all? <laughs> Nanada Kwa is the author of the forthcoming book, Sex Lives of African Women, which will be out July 2021 from Dialogue Books and in spring 2022 from Astra House. Her stories have been published in It Wasn't Exactly Love and The Pot and Other Stories. She's also been featured in The Guardian, Open Democracy, and Essence. Welcome to the show, Nana. How are you doing today? Thank you so much, Vicky. I am super, super excited to be here. And I also have to say that this is actually my first official conversation about the book, and I'm Really happy that it is with you, you know, a fellow amazing African feminist and such an amazing communicator. I'm really delighted to be on the show. Thank you. Wow. Thank you so much. I've been looking out for your book. The only thing is like, you know, when you're in Ghana, you're like, how are we going to get it? Like, you know, I know that that's that that problem is going to be solved. But, it will you know, be solved. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm like, every time I see a pre-order link, I'm like, 
oh, okay, wait, Ari, wait for the Ghana link. I'm waiting. <laughs> inshallah we're waiting for it what would you say is the biggest misconception about the sex lives of african women and how does that impact the way african women experience sex oh that is such a great question um i feel like there's so many misconceptions but one that i will talk about because i feel like I am getting to a stage where I will become impacted by that myself as the assumption that older African women do not enjoy sex, that older African women are not desirable, that somehow, you know, they're dried up and shriveled and left on the shelf. So you mentioned earlier that, you know, um, I'm, I'm part of a team that has multiple projects that speak about sex and sexuality. One of the current projects I'm working on is a podcast based on, on our blog, Adventures from the Burdens of African Women. And we have an episode which is about African, older African women and sex. And so we interviewed like three African women, you know, one of whom is in her late 60s, one of whom is in, you know, all of them are over 50. And... They were all telling me how great the sex life is, how, you know, they still enjoy sex, how they're desired. And this is one of the misconceptions we have about sex, right? We look at our aunties, at older women, and we kind of assume there's nothing going on for them in the bedroom. And that's not true, you know? And so for me, that's a myth I'm really interested in busting because your girl is now 43. So I'm no longer <laughs> a hot young thin, even though I like to think I'm still, you know, a girl. <laughs> Please, eh? don't perpetuate myths here. We're here for you. Hot young thing you are, okay? Yes, yes. And so, and so, yeah. For me, you know, to really discover what reality is like, you need to speak to to women from a variety of backgrounds. Um, and I usually find that the more the woman herself has, in a sense, liberated her mind, right? Um, gone through a, a process of consciousness raising, whether she's a feminist or a humanist, or, you know, has been through a process where she sort of questioned societal beliefs, the more free that person is. And that's one of the things I'm also discovering as I interview and speak to women about sex and sexuality. Okay. So the first thing, I mean, I, I totally agree with you. And, and I think a key part is, for example, like, we don't hear our mothers and our grandmothers ever talk about, ooh, I'm about to get me some, right? Or like express desire, sexual desire. As soon as you become a grandmother, like, and I think this this is global, right? It's not just um, necessarily the African context, but just globally, you know, that women somehow, our sexual desire, you know, go like plateaus and then like there's a dip while men's you know in fact we always think about men's actually going up like the older men get the more their sexual desire you know like you know the whole this whole idea of the dirty old man right like oh he wants sex all the time um but as women get older we're like desexualized right which is like incredibly problematic um speaking of older women i wonder you know we know that all aspects of life right by colonialism. Do you think that this extends to the bodies of African women and sexual expression as well? I think so, absolutely, because with colonization came colonial norms and values, um, especially like, at least I can speak about countries like Ghana, you know, which were colonized by the British, and we totally were sold Victorian standards of, I don't even know what to call them because they were really not standards that anybody should aspire to, but it's like lying back and think of, you know, 
think of the country. And yes, you know, um, that's really affected people. Even to today, I mean, it translates into um, a sort of fundamentalist approach people have to religion. I remember literally two days ago, I was in a queue to get vaccinated against COVID. And then this woman called me and like she called me and she was like, oh, look at your top. Your stomach is showing. Jesus is coming. I was like, what? Like, you really think that Jesus will be bothered about my, my stomach? Like he's got nothing to be bothered about? I mean, you know? <laughs> so there's this policing of women's bodies, uh, yeah. which, you know, is also a result of people's approach to religion rather than they can... Yes, God loves all bodies. He made all bodies or she made all bodies. Um, and it's, it really affects us. It really affects us. You know, so I feel like to really like love your body, to really enjoy your body, you have to break free of what you've been told, what society tells you. And you can still do that, you know, even as a person of faith, because it's really about how you're interpreting faith. Yeah. Some women I interviewed who are super, super religious. And actually one woman said to me, you know, she was describing marrying this man uh, and then basically talking about what they did for three days was pray and fuck, pray and fuck and pray and fuck. And for her, that was super important because, <laughs> you know, like for her, spirituality is really important and sex is also important. And it's almost like two sides of the same coin. So I just want to emphasize that I don't think being religious means you won't have good sex, right? But I think one needs to question what you're told and, mm -hmm. and to find pleasure in, in everything. And I feel like pleasure is political. It's super important. And, you know, when people try to control women's bodies, control the way we dress, it's only a way of just trying to keep us in a box. And we need to break free out of all boxes. Yeah, I don't know if, if it happened during colonialism or before, but I just always feel like, women's bodies are considered state property yes. men's bodies are their own so whether it's like the 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 mosque or the church or the government that women's bodies are everybody's property like the state the community society everybody has ownership of your body except for you right so that's why a stranger can see you in line and feel like she has she has a place a right to comment. <laughs> I know, right? Because you're public property. Your body is, our, is my body. How can you show our body like this? You know? I know, right? <laughs> it's really crazy. And I think you're right. It's about state control of bodies. Um, I think it's also about, God, I had a thought that was running through my mind and it's totally gone now, but it'll, it'll come back. But I think it's, sorry, I think it's also about capitalism, right? I think it's about, you know, especially men who may be in relationships with women thinking that we want to control the body because we want to ensure that, you know, whoever she reproduces comes from my sperm, you know? Uh, and, I, you know, I've had some, some theories around with capitalism also came the desire to control women's bodies because people wanted to ensure that their property gets passed down the line. You know, whereas I feel like African culture subverts that in a really nice way, and of course I'm a can, so that's why I'm mentioning this, um, where, you know, you inherit from the matrilineal side of, of the family. So traditionally, a man would pass on his property to his sister's children because those are definitely his kids. Hi, this is Franklin Bob McEwen from the African Experts Podcast. 
I just want to let you know that you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and on YouTube. And also, this show was originally broadcasted as a live stream. You can watch all previous episodes of the African Experts show on africanexpert.net. And now, let's head back to the show. No, we were actually, I was at brunch today and we were talking about the um, matrilineal inheritance in Ghana and how much we liked it. Um, why is African women's sexual pleasure or Afri this, like African women having sex so political, so secret and so taboo? Right now as we're having this conversation, there are people who are angry. I can tell you that already. <laughs> that just being here to have this conversation, somebody is upset. And, and a lot of people would be upset that we're even talking about African women's sexual pleasure and African women and sex. Why is this such a difficult topic? Why is it so hard considering we're all products, right? We're all here because two people had sex. Why is it such a taboo in our communities? I really think it's about a societal desire to control women. And if you want to control somebody, like literally you want to control their body, you want to control their expression. You don't want them to be to enjoy life. You don't want them to find joy in their bodies. You want them to think of their bodies as tools, as tools for reproduction, as tools for labor. And I feel like when a woman truly owns her body, when a woman is truly in touch with her own pleasure, she's truly powerful. If you cannot control her in the bedroom, you cannot control her in public spaces. She's going to step out there and she's going to own the world. And so I feel like this is why people try to control women's bodies because they shut you down and then you can't, you can't do anything really. And if you don't own your body, right? If you don't own your pleasure, what can you truly own? Nothing. Yeah. It's, you know, a lot of times, like when I, when I talk about politics, when I talk about politics um, or I take a political position, some of the comments I always get are, it's because you don't have a man. You need to get married, right? This idea that like, if you had a man, they would be somehow controlling you and you would behave in an appropriate manner. That this, this all you are talking, this freedom, <laughs> this freedom to talk and express yourself is only there because like there isn't a man on top of you, right? And it's such a diminish well, an attempt to diminish because it doesn't really diminish if you do not um if you don't subscribe to that, it doesn't diminish you because you're like, eh, okay. Sometimes you may even be in a relationship, people don't re recognize or realize that because you're you're not subscribing to their perception of what like a man and a woman's relationship ought to be that you you're not defined by that right um so i can definitely i can definitely connect to this idea of yes people thinking that like, like that sex is power right that like you know or when you're upset you know, you express dissent, or you're like, you know, like, oh, what is it? Is your husband not giving it to you? Oh, no, you're angry because you're not being satisfied. <laughs> like, it always kind of, but you never see that about, right, men. Um, you don't see the same dialogue or discourse around men when they're talking, or nobody ever says, oh, is it because you don't have a wife at home? That is why you are being politically elected. You understand what I mean? There's yeah. always this attempt to kind of go, like, 
they own your they want to own your body and then they always want to bring the conversation back to your your gender and back to your genitals right mm. specifically back to between your legs yeah um, which is so crass and so you're like wait you want us to be pure and chaste but at the same time at every attempt you get you want to come talk about this thing um but you don't want us to talk about this thing right so us having this conversation is instantly problematic for those who would rather women were not talking about this which yes. brings me to my next question i don't even know if it's a question yes it is a question for the african woman seeking sexual liberation over the things that they may have been taught to be taboo where can she begin like where do you start the journey it's a great question and i feel like the journey actually begins with healing right and it begins with healing on so many levels sadly so so many african women have been sexually abused right um for folks who live in Ghana and i recognize that obviously this is a global show so people may be watching all around the world so the context will differ um but one of the things that i found really difficult is so many women that i interviewed had been sexually abused as children frankly i myself was sexually abused as a child right and so for a lot of people to actually begin to find pleasure in your body you need to go through some sort of healing and everybody has a different thing that will work for them right some people may want professional help some people will you know there's one woman who decided to do a 1000 she started off wanting to do 100 days of celibacy that went so well she decided to extend it to 1000 days you know some people will travel you know and and you know um go deep into themselves go deep into their faith but healing is actually really really important and then i think you literally need to go on a journey you need to unlearn what you've been told growing up because very few of us were actually told anything positive about sex like all we told us don't do it and usually people wouldn't even say what's the it's worth so you need to do a lot of unlearning and you need to actually go on a journey to figure out what you would like because you can be with a partner whether it's a male partner or a woman partner or a partner who is you know gender nonconforming and still not be having pleasurable sex because all of you have various traumas that you're grappling with right and so i think it takes a lot of courage to find out what you find pleasure you know i always say to people like try and give yourself pleasure try and give yourself sexual pleasure so you figure out what works for you hallelujah 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 <laughs> <laughs> If you don't know what rocks your boat, how are you going to teach somebody else to give you pleasure? And I think you'll, and you need to allow, allow yourself to experiment, try new things, you know, express your desires to your partner or partners. Obviously, it means you need to find partners who are also, you know, have a similar mindset and are willing to explore with you and are going to be patient with you because some sexual acts may trigger you because of things you've experienced in the past. And so I feel like it starts with healing and then it means going on a journey, a journey that's very personal. That will look different for for different people depending upon your context, you know. Um and I also feel like to arrive at sexual freedom, you almost need to be constantly arriving. You need to be constantly experimenting, you need to constantly try new things. Um because we also change, right? What might work for your body at the age of 20 might no longer work for your body at the age of 40. um and yeah these these are some of the things i have learned from the interviews that i've done with women um and those are the three themes that i actually have in my book healing self discovery and sexual freedom wow um yeah i of course as you speak i'm like am i am i sexually the prey girl am i okay am i okay? <laughs> <laughs> you know like a, 
know, because I think that's where it starts. I mean, maybe I would say like a self-check, right? It's yeah. about then. Before you know if you need healing, before you know if you need to go on a journey, you have to do a self-check, right? You have to really sit with yourself and say, okay, what has my sexual experience really been? Has it been, has pleasure, my pleasure, been the center or been a focus in my sexual experiences? Mm -hmm. Because sometimes you participate. And I remember when I was much younger, um, like, yeah, we've all had so many varied sexual experiences where you might participate and it's not your pleasure. It's not centered around your pleasure. Yes. And you don't even know that it's not centered around your pleasure, yes. right? Yes. And before you're even whatever, it's finished and you're like, I, yeah. don't know if, I don't know if I like that. Like, I don't know if that was good. Like, you don't even know, right? Um, so I think, yeah, if everybody, uh, men and women, but in this case, women, um, what going to sex thinking, um, I want a pleasure centered sexual experience. Yeah. No matter who my partner is, no matter where it's happening, I want my pleasure to be principal and maybe having conversation, right? Because the other thing is, you know, I want to know if you, I mean, I'm hetero. And so I'd be like, okay, you know, my guy, are you interested in my pleasure, would mm -hmm. you like to center my pleasure in this mm -hmm. experience? Mm -hmm. If you're not here for me, let us not go for that. <laughs> <laughs> but I love that as a question, right? Do you want to center my pleasure in this experience? And yeah. you know, I think there are ways of making that sexy. I think sometimes people struggle with how do we have the conversation about sex? And you have to find little ways of doing it that work for you. I love to WhatsApp with folks, you know? So, exactly. <laughs> So, okay, foreplay. Hello. Exactly. So you can be like, you know, so I really want this to be a pleasure-centered experience. Can I tell you what would really work for me? Yeah. So before the session comes over, they already know what's going to rock your boards. You've had the conversation. Yeah. Having yeah. the conversation doesn't mean it needs to be face-to-face, -face, right? If that's difficult yeah. for you. Um, and for me as well, it's also psychological. If you've had that conversation, your mind is getting primed and ready for sex and your body is getting ready for sex too. Like, you know, where, where do you like being kissed on the, the, I don't know what this is called on the fold of your arm. Is that something that gives you pleasure? I mean, like, I think it's that like slow thing, right? Coming into sexual relationships with this thing that every person is a book you haven't read. Um, and you want to go on the journey to explore them, but you also want it to be pleasurable for both of you. Um, I'm clearly telling y'all how, how I do it, you know, how I go into this situation. I'd be like, <laughs> hey, boo. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And I feel like we have to do that all of the time with each Every new partner. Yes. Yeah. You can't assume, oh, I've had sex with so many people and so I'm an expert. No, you're not an expert on, you know. No. Everybody's I'm delivering pleasure to the next person, right? Exactly. Right. You can, I can know you, I can be married to you for 10 years and we're good sexually, but I can meet somebody else and what works for them is a completely different thing. And if you're so overconfident and you have an ego um, and you just go into it like, I know, then it's not about pleasure, right? It's about your ego. And I would also say, if you've been married to somebody for 10 years, you probably need to switch things up. You might be thinking it's okay, and it may be okay, but could it be better than okay, right? Is it time for change? Is it time to, like, 
to get our new things have has their bodies changed for them body routine i know even i when i'm dating somebody after two to three years i'm like uh -uh. <laughs> we have gotten into a routine and i know we're going to do a followed by b followed by c and then we have to d and yes it works and we get off but it also gets a bit boring you know Thank you. No, oh, girl, I'm so glad we're having this conversation <laughs> and the panoramic because the panoramic is everywhere. This is a great time to re reassess your sexual priorities uh, because some of us who are not married, you know, we don't know what's going to happen in the future because you can't be going out and seeing people when there's COVID around. <laughs> so I mean, I have to say, I have to say to you, like, um, I just got my second vaccine and I'm like ready to do my. I have my, I want to take a sexy Instagram picture and invite people to slide into my DMs because hey, I'm just... <laughs> hey. <laughs> No, but hey, this panoramic has been, whoo, it's been a time. I need to get it. I don't even have my first vaccine. So I'm, I'm like really all the way back. On, oh, I need to talk to my Ghana friends and see how they can help me get back so I can be ready for this, you know, for summer 2021. Because... Already, I'm like, it's like, what you need a month after your second vaccine to be like fully covered. I, I'm ready, girl. I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we're gonna take a short break. You're listening to African Experts with Vicky Remo. We'll be right back after this music break. Zainab Sharif with the song Mamina Power. Zainab Sharif is a Sierra Leonean entertainer, singer, and model. She released Mamina Power in 2017. And now let's head back to African Experts with Vicky Remo. Welcome back to the show. If you're just joining us, you're watching African Experts, and I'm your host, Vicky Remote. With me on the show today is Nana, an advocate for sexual pleasure for African women. Today we're talking about The Sex Lives of African Women, which is the title of Nana's new book, currently available 
for pre-order from Dialogue Books. And here is an excerpt about the book. The Sex Lives of African Women uniquely amplifies individual women from across the African continent and its global diaspora as they speak of their diverse experiences of sex, sexualities, and relationships. Many of the women who tell their stories in this collection recall the journeys they have traveled in order to own their own sexualities. They do this by grappling with experiences of child sexual abuse, resisting the religious edicts of their childhood, and by asserting their sexual power. From finding queer community in Egypt, to living a polyamorous life in Senegal, to understanding the intersectionality of religion and pleasure in Cameroon, to choosing to leave relationships that no longer serve them. These narratives are as individual and illuminating as the women who share them. The Sex Lives of African Women provides a deep insight into women's quest for freedom, highlights the complex tapestry of African women's sexuality and bestows upon all women inspirational examples to live a truly liberated life. I cannot wait to read this book. Okay, is it okay? Would you be able to read a passage from the book with us? I know I didn't tell you this ahead of time, but I'm sure you have it because girl, you're in comms marketing, you know this thing. Yes, no, I'll be delighted to read and accept. And I also want to I guess tell people a little bit about what Africa, when I say Africa, what it means to me. Uh -huh. For me, I'm a Pan-Africanist, right? Which means that for me, Africa is people on the continent, as well as the people who, you know, are Africans throughout the diaspora, who are in the diaspora for a variety of reasons, including slavery, including uh -huh. colonization, and including, of course, you know, migration. And so mm -hmm. I purposely interviewed people who, are not from the continent, but are descendants of Africans, right? And are Afro descendants. So I want to read um, an excerpt of my conversation with Chantal, a woman I'll call Chantal. Some people chose to use their real name. Some people chose to use pseudonyms. Chantal is a pseudonym. And she's from Haiti. Okay. Okay. How long do you want me to read for? Um, I, wherever you naturally feel like, whenever people are doing this, I feel like, they know when they've shared something with us. And like, so you just take your natural time because we ain't got nowhere to go. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. Let me start from here. Mika lived next door to us. He came from a good family. My mother and the community of aunts that raised me trusted him. I felt safe with him too, even though he was only 15 years old, the same age as me. He was cute. The kind of cutes you see on television. He would play his guitar, carry me on his back, and take me to the beach. He made me feel good about myself. He could see something in me that I could not yet see in myself. He would touch me, finger me, and eat my pussy with a passion. It took a week of preparation before we both lost our virginity together. He had a perfect tiny penis. Mika and I stayed together for four years. And then at 18, I moved to Montreal to attend university. And there I fell in love with a woman. I had always loved women. As teenagers, whenever we played mom and dad, I always assumed the role of a dad and would do anything the girls wanted. The woman I met in Canada was seven years older than I was. She was prettier than I was. She had her shit together. I did everything she wanted me to. I did her homework. 
I bought her things. I even shoplifted so I could get her more gifts. One day, we were on the bus heading to the movie theater, which was several stops away from my house. No physical words passed between us, but when we got to my stop, we both got off the bus. I had never walked three blocks so fast before. We opened the door, our lips found each other right by the door, and there we stayed. Time whirred by in the blur of pleasure. I have no concrete memories. It was like a smoke-filled dream. Learning each other's bodies, our lips clung to each other, and we twisted and turned our legs so that our clits could rub against each other. I screamed and screamed and screamed as I came. I'll stop there. Okay. I feel like I should go smoke a cigarette, and I don't even. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's so powerful, and also so, um, in many ways, dynamic, right? Because this, just like in this short snippet, you one woman has had such, like, so much variety. Um, in her own sexual experiences. And we tend to think, we don't think of like the full scale, you know what I mean? Um, and I think that's that's the problem with the way we think of African women and sex is that we think of it as like this, you know, small, yeah. this very small box um, that everybody fits into and we don't live, we don't leave enough room um, to allow for diversity and like you know jollof and jambalaya because she seems like she's got her good old time and that's really why i wanted to put this book together right because i felt like when people think about african women and sex they think in very myopic ways and you know have that sort of view of african women's sex and sexuality is really limited and i wanted to show how expansive it is and the different experiences that people have and the different ways people can find pleasure and people from different backgrounds who may be from small villages or from big cities, you know, uh, have an amazing sex. And of course, there's also trauma and there's also people who are like figuring things out, but it's like a buffet. And right. I had ever read a book which showed the expansiveness of African women's stories. And that's the book I set out to write. And I am very proud. I feel like that's also the book I, I wrote. So yeah, people who are watching, please pre-order. No, I don't doubt it. I mean, I think also what's powerful about this kind of representation, sexual representation, is that you might think you're weird, right? I might be here, I have my kinks, I have my desires, but maybe I have a lot of shame also with them because I don't know what other women are doing. I don't know, you don't know, right? But when you have a book like this that covers such diversity and such range, um, both in age and experience, you pick it up and you're like, even if you don't see yourselves, you're like, oh, we are all doing all kinds of things. So you that maybe like liberates you and also takes away some of that guilt that a lot of us have been raised with, especially if you come from a very religious background. So thank you so much for putting this to get like, I really can't wait. I'm just like, this is going to be like summer read, girl. We going to be out at the beach, at the pool, like, mm. Girl, she did what? Okay. <laughs> what? Snap, Twitter, hello. <laughs> but you really hit the nail on the head, Vicky, in terms of people feeling seen. I do want people to feel seen. Um, and 
actually my publisher, um, Charmaine Lovegrove, who is the publisher of Dialogue Books, the imprint, um, an imprint which is part of Little Brown in the UK. She sent me a message and she was like, oh my God, you know, I had another editor send me a five minute long voice note speaking about how this is the first time she's really felt fully seen when she's read a book. And that really means a lot to me. And I'm really hoping as the book goes out into the world, you know, um, and people read it, they will really feel seen. Yeah. And I, I mean, I feel like without, I don't even have to say it, and you should know that they will because, you know, you've always centered African women in your work. It's always been like, I don't care who else cares, who else sees it. I'm talking to you, African woman. Yes. And I think whenever you do something that is for a specific community, because yes. there's so much intentionality that goes into it, because you're thinking about everything. It's like you've done an empathy map for African women's sexuality. And you're like, I'm going to give them all of the ingredients that they need. Um, and that's why your book is gonna be a bestseller and it's gonna be successful because we gonna, we gonna be off in this, okay? Because there might, be some, might <laughs> be some ingredients we are not adding to our own sauce that <laughs> I want to sprinkle. <laughs> No, I tell you, I would like have a conversation with somebody and I'm like, hmm, noted for the next time, you know? So yes, I feel like definitely, I also think about this book as a manual for sexual pleasure. And I feel like people read it and also have lots of tips that they can, you know, add to their own love and jambalaya, like you said. Okay, that's what the New York Times should say when they review this. A manual. <laughs> for sexual pleasure. Like, I love it. I mean, pleasure in general. Um, in general, I center my life, a lot of my life um, mm. around pleasure because it's something that I wasn't necessarily raised. Like, I don't think that when I was being raised, like my pleasure was centered, not sexual pleasure, but just like that I must enjoy myself. Enjoyment and fulfillment are not something, are not things that I grew up knowing or being told like I had a right to or that I should always strive for. Um, and as I grew older, that truly, it more than anything, it's my pleasure. It's what like, you know, it has, even with food, like it's such a, like I, I don't eat for eat's sake, I eat for pleasure. It, like I have to feel the, the everything, I must feel it. Like <laughs> I think it's super important, right? Yeah. Like to feel sexual pleasure, you actually have to feel pleasure in every area of your life. And like food is super important. The connections between food and sex, so intense. So, so yeah. intense. Pleasure yeah. in food, pleasure in like conversation, yes. which is why we don't have a lot of friends because I'm just like, if I'm sitting down with somebody, I want to feel like I'm eating them, like I'm consuming them and they're fulfilling me. Like the laughter, the bigness. And then you come home and you're like, oh my God, that was such yes. a good conversation. <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. And I think it's all part of it. It's all it's all important, you know? The food, the conversation. It's all about all our senses being engaged, moving our bodies, feeling pleasure in our own bodies and in our own selves. It's yeah. all connected. Yes, no, I'm definitely a very sexual being, but I'm also a Scorpio, so that's like almost like you're calling... Yeah, saying like the sky is blue, like of course. <laughs> like like I was this <laughs> anyway, so what I would really like to know, did you find any stark regional differences around sex and sexuality between like African women in various parts of the continent? Are there cultures that place maybe more of a premium on African women's sexual pleasure? Hmm. This is a great question. Um, 
And I want to say that instinctively, no. Okay. You know, um, yeah, I don't feel like, yeah. and I interviewed women yeah. from all over, right? Yeah. I interviewed women from Yeah, is so strong. Wherever I interviewed women from Ghana, Nigeria, Kenya, Zimbabwe, South Africa, Haiti, Costa Rica, you know, the UK, and yeah, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I honestly, honestly, I cannot think of. I know people are going to feel like this is an extreme expression, but I cannot think of anything worse than a woman who has sex every day, all the time and doesn't have pleasure. Um, It just feel like to me, but again, again, I'm centering myself in this. It may not be the same for others, but it it just feels like such a crime. It's like so criminal, you know, when you think of, the the when you think of the specialness that is in the sweetness, you're just like, hey, I want this for all my sisters. Yeah, no, totally, totally. And you know, like, if you're having sex and you don't want to have sex, that's like, how could you have consented to that, right? So I think, like you're saying, it's it's actually literally a crime. Yeah, um, not consent, but enthusiastically consent. Yeah. One of the saddest things I ever think I heard in my life was a married woman who said that she's so not attracted to her husband. She's so not in it that every time she has sex with him, she feels like he's raping her. Like she's consenting to the sex. It's not like she she was saying like, I didn't consent. But because she's so not into it, she's just like, I get nothing from this. He might as well be raping me. And I was just like, why are you still in that relationship? No, I also had a friend say to me how, you know, at night she spent so much time. First of all, she's made her bathroom like super cozy, super comfortable because she spent a lot of time in there hoping that by the time she comes out, her husband would have fallen asleep. And that's really heartbreaking. But, you know, the reality is a lot of women are in that situation because they've never had the opportunity to discover sexual pleasure. You know, they didn't grow up knowing that their bodies were theirs, that they have a right to pleasure. Um, I think for some reason or the other, that their partners have not really been able to have those conversations with them. You know, they haven't been able to find pleasure in sex. And and so sex is a chore. It's something they have to do because they are wife, you know, for example. Um, yeah, because, I mean, when people are getting married, and I've never been married, but I just, like, I've never heard anyone say, and, you know, as I was getting married, my mom told me, you know, you you should pleasure your wife you should make sure mm-hmm. she enjoys sex da, 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 da. or even the other you know what you always hear is the woman like make sure you give to your husband when he wants so he doesn't go to the street da, da, da. i never i've never heard a man say my yeah. mom or my dad or my boys like gave me advice where they were like you really need to center your wife's sexual pleasure or your woman's sexual pleasure. Like, never, never. I've never, it's only in the lexicon. Like, people don't talk about that. It's um, not. But what's also interesting that it enters the lexicon as a reason for breaking up. So one of the women I interviewed, for example, was telling me that um, what she discovered, and she's Muslim, that actually your husband not having sex with you is grounds for divorce, right? And that's, like, she was unhappy because they used to have a great sex life, and then they got married. Then they had a child, and she discovered that as her body, her belly was growing, her husband was just desiring her less. 
Mm-hmm. You know, and then after she had a child, it was like she would always have to be the one to initiate sex, and then you'd be like, "Why are you forcing things?" Right. And right. she had gone like a year or two without sex, and you know, she discovered yeah. that this is like this is gone for divorce. I believe in a camp culture. There's also something quite similar, but in a sense. Yeah, I- this show was proudly sponsored by Adama Loves Akara. I mean, I do believe that, like, in a, a relationship where neither party is, like, having sexual par- pleasure or one party is not having sexual pleasure, if y'all can't fix that, why are we here? Um, because sex is such an intimate space. It's just so full and whole. It's so all-encompassing that if you're doing that and it really is serving no purpose other than to feed another person, Right. It's like, are you what like you're doing this me like I'm really I'm just doing this for you. Like what is that? Exactly. Yeah. There's no point. There's absolutely no point. Do you think that things are changing? Like, okay, so for Gen Z Africans, not us millennials, maybe you can say for us, maybe maybe for us, if you ain't getting pleasure right now, you about to turn you're in your late thirties or late twenties. I don't know. Maybe you can say our generation. Some of us might, some of us may not. But do you think that Gen Z African women are um, more liberated and experiencing experiencing more pleasure, or are we all in the same boat? <laughs> no, I mean, I actually have a lot of faith in young people. Um, usually when I'm at an event, at a festival, I would always have young women come to me and say, thank you so much for adventures. It enables me to have conversations with other women, conversations that I can have with my mother or my aunties. And, and so I, I feel like because of spaces like this, Vicky, like your show, you know, like adventures, like other platforms like Whole Africa, The Spread, there are more spaces for conversations on sex and sexuality. And that encourages people to take things into their own hands, to question what they've been told, to be more exploratory, to discover their own desire. And so I don't think Gen Z is in the same situation that some of us were growing up. And even for us, like we're learning, we're changing, right? Um, so yeah, I have hope. It's not break. It's not broken, right? Like no one can. I don't know. Maybe there is. You know, when you watch a lot of like shows, there's a condition of all kind. I'm sure there's some condition somewhere where someone is incapable of having sexual desire. I'm sure there's one point something something percent of the population, right? But everyone, sexual, for example, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I know it's possible, but. For the majority of us, no matter your age, um, you can have sexual pleasure, right? You just need to do the steps that we've been talking here today, you know, ask yourself this question about, are you really enjoying yourself? Is this really satisfying you? pleasure going on that journey that you said. And for some people, it is a question of like sexual healing, not the kind that Marvin Gaye said, (laughs) but like a sexual healing, trying to get over trauma and abuse from like PASA. Mm -hmm. And I know you were talking about Ghana specifically talking about high cases of sexual abuse, but in Sierra Leone, it's just as high. Mm -hmm. Um, It's still high today. So we're not even talking about, um, like, oh, our parents' generation. Because, you know, our parents' generation, our grandparents, you can say all of the girls, they, all of them married when they were children, right? Mm-hmm. Majority, like everybody married before they were 18, probably in some village, it gave your way. But even today in Sierra Leone, you know, sex abuse is a huge problem. We had a national emergency against rape a couple of years ago. That's how bad it is. And it hasn't gone down. 
Um, last year, they recorded victims. The youngest was three months. The oldest was 100 years. Um, cases of like sexual abuse. So it is still a really, really big problem. Um, some people have said, I saw this somewhere and I wanted to ask you, do you believe that sexual pleasure is a human right? Oh, absolutely. I believe sexual pleasure is a human right because it's your body, right? It's something that you own. And especially if you are actually having sex with somebody else, if it's not pleasurable, then it's probably painful, it's uncomfortable, it's making you miserable. And yeah, so I feel like we all deserve to have pleasure in our bodies and acts that are done to us so that we don't have sexual pleasure, like female genital mutilation or pattern, you know, that's a human rights abuse. Yeah. And, and that's all done just to take away women's rights to pleasure. So absolutely, I think of sexual pleasure as you know, as a fundamental in my life. And then before we go to question, just have a, have one last question, which is what would you say to the woman who's afraid to advocate for her sexual pleasure in her relationship today because she is afraid maybe that her partner might see her as promiscuous or like, do you understand what I mean? Like maybe you, she's gone on this journey on her own, maybe separately. And now she wants to come in the bedroom like, Wonder Woman, I am here, but is afraid because she doesn't want her partner to think that it is coming from an external. Do you understand what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. you didn't like this before. Who has taught you? Do you understand? How do they how do they negotiate this new relationship where they want to now become their own like pleasure advocates? <laughs> I know my answer is going to sound very harsh. But I feel like if you're in a relationship with somebody and you really cannot talk to them about sexual pleasure and about the kind of pleasure you want to experience, you need to really ask yourself if that's a relationship you need to stay in. Maybe that's a relationship you've outgrown or maybe that's a relationship that's not right for you. In a way, you're not fulfilled in that relationship. So yes, you can always have a conversation with your partner and tell them you know, what you've learned, what new things you'd like to try, you know, the fact that you've changed and now you know things that you didn't know because you've read about it, you watched YouTube videos, you watched Vicky's show. But if the response of that partner is going to be, ah, where's this coming from? You know, who have you gone to taste? My sister, I bet. One of, one of like the most scary and sexually liberating things I ever done was actually sharing the kind of porn that I read because I love literotica with yes. like some <laughs> I didn't want to, but like, he was just like, no, I want to see it. I was like, ah, 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 ah. <laughs> but I sent it and it was like really actually great because to then have a conversation, right. About like, oh, what do you, you know, he read it and he was like, well, what do you really like about this? And then being able to verbalize that. And that really actually helped um, our sexual relationship because then it was like, oh, I see you miss. I'm like, yes. <laughs> so I think that's exactly the kind of response you want from a partner, right? Which is what I was saying. Which is what I was saying earlier. Like WhatsApp stuff, like text stuff, like email things. It can be hard to have a direct conversation, but it's nice to have these little ways that, you know, help you to share without maybe you having to say it. And then you want the encouraging response, and then you want the oh, let's talk about this. Oh, this was hard to. Oh, oh, I didn't like this, but I liked this. But if right. you're really going to get the opposite reaction, then mm-mm, that's not a relationship you need to stay. You know, I, I'm sorry. I don't believe until death do us part, especially if you're unhappy. There's no need to stay there and die, you know? You see, this is why we're sisters, because I always <laughs> tell people, like, listen, um, Outcast said, if nothing is forever, 
then what makes love the exception? Why are we so in denial when we know yes. we're not happy here? Yes. Why? <laughs> yes, yes. There's this saying that my mom loves to say, and she doesn't mean it literally, but I love the literal meaning. Um, and it's a saying in tree, and I'll say it and translate it. Basically, if you're scared of divorce, you will never get a good marriage. You can't act in life like if you say something to the person you're with, they're going to leave you. or Because if you do, you know, you're just always going to be stuck. And actually, sometimes people need to leave so better people can come into your life. So if you're having really bad sex and you've tried to have the conversation and it's not working out, my sister, find a way to walk away and just create space for the good sex to flow your way. <laughs> hallelujah. I'm here for this. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. My sister's hallelujah. <laughs> um, now we're going to see if we have any questions. Mr. Producer, I know my producer is here is in the background. Uh, do we have any questions? Ah, yes. Um, this is a question from Tamu, who is my life coach. Hey, Tamu. Um, how do we change this for younger generations um, as the current alternate alternative is over-sexualization? That's a really good question. Hmm. I mean, in terms of changing the situation for younger generations, for me, it really starts with speaking to young people about their bodies, you know, from a really early age, naming body parts as they are, um, teaching them what consent means, because sadly, a lot of young children are not taught about consent, and letting them know that their bodies are theirs, you know, um, I'm raising a young child, a girl. I mean, she's super young, so I'm not having to deal with these issues now. But of course, I've been thinking for a long time about how do I want to educate my child differently about sex. And one thing I, I know I want to do when she's at the appropriate age is I don't want to say to her, don't have sex like I was told with nothing else. I want to say, you know what? There's no need to rush into having sex with other people. You really want to spend some time discovering yourself. You might want to start off by buying a toy and finding out how to give yourself pleasure before you even get to the stage where you're talking about sex with other people, right? And for me, just that's just my thinking. I'm not an expert in the subject, I have to say. I'm not professionally trained. It's just what I think. Um, and based on what I have learned and taught myself over the years and the conversations I have had with so many people. So I think for the younger generation, it's telling them about their bodies, helping them to understand their bodies, helping them to understand that sex and sexuality is on a spectrum, right? So if your child is a queer child, they're not thinking, oh, the fact that I'm not feeling desire towards, you know, a man if they're a woman means there's something wrong with me. And for me, this is how we change things. Yeah. No, absolutely. Do you have another question? Oh, okay. <laughs> is there a difference between pleasure and orgasm? Yes, yes, yes. Absolutely, there's a difference between pleasure and orgasm. I think of pleasure as enjoyment, you know, as something that makes you feel good. And I think of orgasm as reaching a pinnacle. Um, it's a physical sensation. It's a crescendo, you know, and then there's a sort of tapering off and then you kind of calm down, right? Um, pleasure is continuous. And I think you can have pleasurable sex that doesn't result in an orgasm yes um, and i mean let's be honest when a woman is raped or somebody can be sexually abused and have an orgasm while yeah. not having any pleasure so you know the orgasm is more like the physical sensation the pleasure it's the like whole body ooh, ah, experience <laughs> exactly exactly you said it perfectly yeah, yeah. yeah the whole body yeah. Um, i like both i want to have pleasure and i also want to have an orgasm no 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 i mean yeah but just to separate the 
oh, it is possible that those two things um, yes. aren't necessarily the same. And um, people because them all of the time and they haven't actually enjoyed sex, right? It's just a physical yeah. release. Yeah, exactly. Like you could give yourself an orgasm and yeah. you've had an orgasm, but you don't really enjoy, you know what I mean? You're not, you're not like, oh my God, this was like so good. It's just like, oh, I just had the release because I'm a human being and this energy was pent up and it needed to get out of my system. Now let me go um, finish my essay. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I know the feeling. <laughs> you're like, I think I'm a bit tired. Okay, where's the toy? Let's do this job quickly. Okay, yeah. now we can go to bed. Yeah, this nonsense orgasm. Let me just get it out of here so I can like, you know, like body and mind can be in one place because you yes. cannot be on the left and I'm on the right. No, totally. Um, thank you so much, Anna, for coming on the show. It's been such a joy talking to you. Um, for those who missed it, I just want to say again that Nana's book, The Sex Lives of African Women, is out um, in July, but it's currently available for pre-order. You can go to Amazon.com or Amazon.co.uk. Um, you can pre-order the Kindle version or the, like the ebook version, and you can also um, pre-order the hard copy so please get this book support this book it's like a orange book with like a green text it's beautiful and um nana has done a really great job chronicling our sex lives and experiences and it's going to be a lesson for all men and women i would like to encourage you men out there who want to ensure that your partners are having a pleasure-filled sexual experience um, to read this book so that you guys can all enjoy yourselves. With that, we've come to the end of today's show. Here is our quote today. When a woman decides to sleep with her partner, there is no wall she will not scale, no fortress she will not destroy, no moral consideration she will not ignore at its very root. There is no God worth worrying about. Those words are from Gabriel Garcia Marquez. Until next week, una tata and tanky from all of us here at African Expert. Bye.